It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by fantasy football player prop expert, got Chris Dell in the house. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mad Journalist. You guys can always get us at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. NFL Week 6 Money Picks Podcast. Chris and I are going to go through the entire Sunday slate to exclude the primetime games. Chris. Uh, not a bad week for us last week. How'd you end up doing overall? I saw some pretty positive posts there on Twitter and within the Discord channel. How'd your week five end up for you in the NFL? Yeah, we had a really good week of props. We've had two really, really strong weeks. Week one and then last week, we we're over five plus units in each week. Last week in week five, you know, still gave out a decent amount of volume. Uh, you know, wanted to play in about 39 player props altogether in our Discord. Some are free plays that you, that anyone can get, even if you're not a paid subscriber. These are a lot of like the uh, longest yard, longest reception props, head-to-head matchup props. We talk about these kind of free derivative plays we give out every week. And then the other one of our is our premium props. So altogether, we were 25 and 14 uh, for 64%. That netted us about 5.3 units on the whole. And for the season, we're now at 86 and 65 for about a 50, 57% win rate. So happy with the results so far. Uh, feeling good about some of the plays this, this week. Although I will say, Sleepy, that this week, even though I have been digging in the last couple of days, this might be the least amount of props that I play outside of week one when I was being very selective about stuff. So we'll see where we go. I haven't looked at head-to-head matchup props just yet. I'm sure, I'll, I'm sure I'll see some that I like as we're talking through things here. I'm sure I'll add quite a few more in Discord before tomorrow. Uh, but anyways, if anyone hasn't subscribed yet, go to our website, uh, use code NFL15, save 15 bucks on our premium package. It gets you everything from Steve's best bets to my props to everything in between. Uh, definitely worth the bang for your buck. It gets you access to the end of the Super Bowl. So make sure to take advantage of that. One of the good things we have there, Chris, this week is bye weeks have started. So, you know, it's going to shorten up these podcasts. And I'll probably shorten up this one quite a bit too, because uh, I was in Vegas last week and I'm way behind uh, with most of my stuff. So as you were talking, it'll probably be a little bit lower volume this week. It'll certainly be uh, lower volume for me. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into our first game here. We have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They'll be on the road here at Pittsburgh. Current line in this game, we have Tampa Bay minus 10. We have a total of 46. We are following the DraftKings sportsbook odds. Chris, how are you feeling about the Bucks and the Steelers? Yeah, this is a game where... Uh, you know, again, one of my, my favorite prop last, last week we talked about on the podcast and my three best bets. Uh, I think we went two and one altogether on the podcast, best bets last week. So we're 10 and three overall for my best bets on this podcast this season. That's something we weren't doing last year. This year, we're actually, you know, letting you guys know at the end what the actual best bets are, even though there's still a lot of stuff we're still playing nonetheless. But, uh, one of my probably best bets sneak peek here is George Pickens again, same as last week. I don't understand why the market hasn't moved enough. It's about 44 and a half. The last time I checked a few days ago, it's one of the first props I gave out to our premium subscriber Discord channel for betting predators. And uh, it's a clear, uh, he's the clear number one receiver in Pittsburgh. I understand that Deontay Johnson technically got more targets than Pickens last week, but the targets that Deontay Johnson gets, it's almost an extension of the run game. You know, very close, very low average at the target, low A dot, very close to the line of scrimmage. And these aren't going off for big plays, although Deontay Johnson does have that in his skill set. That's just not how he's being used primarily. However, George Pickens is being used in those 
middle of the field intermediate targets and Pickens Pickens the quarterback has shown the propensity to want to throw it downfield way more than what Big Ben was doing last year and what Mitch Trubisky did this year before he got benched so I absolutely love the usage I love the rookie to rookie chemistry between Pickens and Pickett so far and although I do still like Deontay Johnson in that offense I think the value of the targets that George Pickens is getting are, are way more valuable here and, it, and then you look at the spread here they uh extremely uh, negative game script for Pittsburgh, which means they're likely to be trailing by a lot, which means that they're likely to throw a ton, just like they had to against Buffalo last week. You're talking about three straight games now with a minimum of seven targets for George Pickens. The last two games, eight targets, six catches, 102 yards in week four, 83 yards in week five. We only need him to hit about half of that. Absolutely one of my best bets for this week, George Pickens over the receiving yards again. All right, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play a Pittsburgh Steeler, too, and I'm going to look at his receptions and his receiving yards. I think I'll probably dive in on the receiving yards first, and that's going to be Jalen Warren over 10.5 receiving yards. I think with Pickett in there now as quarterback, they're going to look to the guy that he's probably most comfortable with, and I believe that that's Warren. Warren has seen a little bit of an uptick you know, in his usage recently, so I'll go ahead. I'll do that. I don't think that that's really you know a, a tough play to make over 10.5 receiving yards. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got San Francisco and Atlanta. San Francisco, they're going to be minus four and a half. We have a total of 45. Chris, I'll let you go ahead first on this one. San Fran, Atlanta, how are you feeling? Yeah, uh, I, want to, I want to go to a prop that I feel like dating back to last year, we might have played something in regards to San Francisco's run defense. And last week we snuck that one in there. We, we caught a break with Christian McCaffrey under 56 and a half rushing yards, ends up with 55 even though a lot of that was based off like one long game he ripped off very early in the game. But the whole premise is that as the San Francisco 49ers start to build a big lead, teams don't even have the option to really run against them because they're trailing by multiple touchdowns. And that's what what I expected last week against Carolina. McCaffrey had a decent first half on the ground. And granted, I might not have played that for a full unit and a half, a full unit like I did if I would have known about the injuries on the defensive line. And I believe it's uh, uh, they still are going to be missing at least two starting defensive linemen based off guys they had at the beginning of the season. So the Niners defense is still banged up. However, they are getting Nick Bosa back. He's going to be healthy. And they still have a very good scheme and good talent and good depth top to bottom. So uh, I really like Tyler Algier under his rushing yards in this game. And also I like him under his rushing and receiving yards. Uh, you know, they're they're using right now three different running backs in this offense. It's Caleb Huntley, it's Tyler Algeal, it's also Avery Williams, who scored a who scored a short touchdown on a reception last week in week five for Atlanta. So this is just a run defense that I, I don't want to uh I want to bet on. And that means betting against the running backs that are going against it, and especially with the Falcons, how much they've struggled offensively. I just don't see them being able to be able to push the pace in this game and keep up. And if they fall behind early, they're going to need to throw more than they're used to. And that's why, what I expect to see play out in this game. So I think that Algier, zero targets last week. I don't think he's had a catch in about three weeks now. So I'm more than willing to take the 10-yard cushion and go under rushing plus receiving yards for Algier, which is about 58.5 right now. I also like the under rushing yards at about 48.5. He struggled. He, has, he struggled to get this number even in better matchups. And again, like even with the injuries to San Francisco's D-line, this might be one of the toughest matchups that Atlanta Falcons run defense has played against 
pretty much all year. So Algier, I know he's you know, a talented rookie to an extent, but still very inexperienced. You look at three of his four games this year, 45 yards, 25 yards, and 30 yards. He had 84 yards in week th- in week four against Cleveland, but half of that was due to a 42-yard broken play that he ripped off. So I really like the unders there for Tyler Algier, Algier here. All right, so Chris going to go ahead and look in that direction. I'm going to go ahead and look at some San Francisco guys. And the, the, the guy I think I'm probably going to end up pulling out here is probably Jimmy G. You know, he's gone over his passing yards in the last two games, and his last game wasn't exactly the greatest. His QBR was rather low. His completion percentage wasn't all that great. But I think they look to go ahead and really ramp him up here uh, on the road against this team. And it's not like this is going to be probably a blowout game. I mean, the line's only like four and a half. So I think San Francisco is going to need to throw the ball in this game. And look, the Atlanta secondary, I don't think it's terrible, but I think the San Francisco wide receivers and their tight end and George Kittle you know, could probably get it going. So I'm looking at Jimmy G over. It's right around 230, 232 yards passing uh, for him. So I'll consider going ahead playing that over. That's not a wager that I've made as of yet, but it's something that I'm going to kind of dig in on. Let's jump into our next game. Let's talk about the Ravens and the Giants. Uh, current line in this game right now, Baltimore Ravens minus five and a half. We have a total of 46. Chris, I like the over in this game, and I'm not sure who to target. I think I see Bateman's out. And I had him in my fantasy league, and luckily I picked up Devin Duvernay. So I was going to ask you before I, you know, plug Duvernay into my starting lineup, and, and I'm strongly considering that, and maybe looking at some props with him. So I wanted to ask you how you felt about him, and if you're kind of, you know, I guess looking up at Duvernay for this particular game, then maybe I'll go ahead and dive in on some plays with him. Yeah, I, I like Duvernay as a talent. Uh, the opportunity certainly there. He's stepping into the wide receiver one role. He's had 12 targets over the last two weeks. Uh, yardage isn't really that high. I think you're kind of banking on a touchdown if you really want to get something out of him, although he maybe gives you a decent floor in PPR. He's had nine catches on 12 targets for about uh, 105 yards, so giving you about five catches for 50 yards a game over the last two games. Uh, he was used on the ground last week against Cincinnati at three carries for 24 yards, so you could see him in that gadget type of role as well. It's tough for me to bet any overs on him in the market, but I do like him as a guy who has – he's shown the potential earlier this year uh, to rip off long touchdowns. He's also used them on special teams as well, so I think there is some kind of you know flexible utility value for him in that sense. So I, I like Duvernay. I've got him ranked as like a low-end wide receiver three, somewhere in like my top 30, 35 receivers this week. You can find my rankings, my top 300 – Uh, for free every single week. They're up right now at bettingpredators.com. I'm typically releasing those on either Thursday or Friday. Uh, So so, sometimes I can't get the Thursday night guys in there for the public to see, but I still am ranking them every single week. But yeah, that's long story short on Duvernay. I love Mark Andrews in this spot. Uh, I just don't know how much the Giants offense is going to be able to push the Ravens in this game. Uh, I could see this being kind of of an ugly, low-scoring affair, although I do think, think there's some upside on the flip side with the Giants, I really liked how they used uh, Darius Slayton last week. This is a guy who was in the doghouse seemingly all year and finally got his opportunity, and he made the most of them. He was the dominant receiver. He had more than twice as many targets amongst wide receivers last week for the Giants as the next guy. I think it was uh, Richie James had two targets and someone else had three, and Slayton had seven. Next highest was the running back, Barkley, was six. So, I think that Slayton's out of the doghouse now, and this is a matchup you can attack through the air, so I definitely am looking at Darius Slayton over his receiving yards. If he's playing a full-time role on the outside, no Galladay, still no Kadarius Tony, 
they're bringing Wandale Robinson back, but Wandale's going to play in the slot. Talented rookie guy there, so we'll see what he does. But Slayton could get this on one catch, and, and, I, and I definitely think the market has not accounted for his new role. We've seen him put up 1,000-plus yard seasons in the past. I really like Darius Slayton this week for the Giants. I'm actually going to play this game over, Chris. I think the opposite. I think that these teams could probably put points up. That Ravens pass defense is absolutely terrible. And the Giants offense, I think you would agree that the passing attack is starting to look a little bit better than it did in the beginning of the year. But the one thing that I've noticed with this Giants defense is that they've played five struggling offenses this season. I think it's actually made them look, I would say, maybe a little bit above average. And going up against the Ravens here and Lamar Jackson, I think that probably gives them fit. So I actually lean uh, pretty strong to the over 45 and a half. I'm actually giving that play out tonight on Fox Sports Radio, so tune into that, and you guys will get the full handicap on that. If that's the case, then I absolutely love Slayton over, so I'm glad to hear you say that for sure. All right, well, I like Slayton too. I think he probably has a half-decent game. Uh, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and let's jump over to my Green Bay Packers. They'll be there uh, at home, minus 7 against the New York Jets. We have a total of 45 and a half. Chris, how are you feeling about this game? Man, I, I absolutely love Brees Hall in this spot. Sleepy, you've seen the Packers' defense this year. I would say you'd probably agree with me that it's been pretty underwhelming so far uh, from their secondary down to their pass rush. That was supposed to be the strength of the defense this year, and I know they played well in certain spots, but obviously allowing the Giants to come back on them like last week they did in London, and their ground game defense, their run defense, is the biggest problem here. And when you look at our cheat sheet, uh, our betting our, our betting slash player props cheat sheet every week. We're putting together the consensus run defense rankings and run block rankings. Same thing we're doing for pass rush versus pass blocking. And we're using these as a guide to help us look into certain props, look into certain DFS plays, et cetera. So this is one of the top five matchups on the board is actually the Jets run blocking against the Packers run defense. And when you look at the consensus rankings, Packers have – the 26th overall run defense in the league. They're 29th in PFF run defense grade, 28th in football outsiders DVOA run defense. So it's pretty bad across the board. Even in a, in a game a few weeks ago uh, where they were blowing out blowing out the Bears, Dave Montgomery still ran for about 150 yards in that game. Brees Hall is more talented than any running back they face outside of Saquon Barkley, who left multiple times in that game due to nagging injuries. So I love the role, the increase we've seen for Brees Hall. And we don't see the prop line like a Barkley, a similar talent like we do with Hall. I like Hall over 59 and a half rushing yards. I also like him over 12 and a half rushing attempts. So I'm double dipping on Brees Hall. The increased role, he saw upwards of 65, close to 70% of the snaps and the touches over the last few weeks. And I love him for DFS because there's so many other chalky running backs that people are going to play because of injuries. You know, Benjamin's super cheap. He's going to be chalk. You're going to have Daryl Henderson chalk when now Cam Akers missing. Brees Hall is kind of get kind of going to get left down the board, even though he's really cheap for his upside, and he's not going to be owned that much. He has a great matchup on paper. His role is just increasing every week. So I'm going to be on Brees Hall heavily in DFS, and I definitely love his overs for rushing yards and for rushing attempts in this matchup. All right, well, I'm going to give you guys a big plus money play here on Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers passing yards right now at 242, 244, somewhere in that area. Typically, Chris, I mean, we know Rodgers, he's, he, he's lined somewhere in the, you know, 280s, uh, at least last year he was, 285, somewhere in that area. But you can get Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball for 300 yards or more at plus 425. I think this is a big bounce back game for him. And this is against a gen secondary that's not all that great. And I think Rodgers is probably going to be a little bit salty. He hasn't thrown the ball 
for more than 256 yards. I don't believe in any game this entire season. So I think at home coming off of a loss, Rodgers is just going to want to take control of this team and go out there and let it rip and let it run. And if this Packers passing offense is going to kind of get it together, it's going to be off of a loss, you know, in another week of preparation where probably Rodgers is a little bit salty. So we're going out on a little bit of a limb, but I feel like, you know, according to the numbers that we've seen with him in the past, and I know that, that you know, Devontae Adams isn't there, but this, this number is probably adjusted a little bit too low. So I'll go ahead. I'll give you guys that big plus price plus 425 on Aaron Rodgers to throw for 300 or more passing yards. Let's jump down the board here to the Patriots and the Browns. Browns going to be a home favorite here, minus two and a half. We have a total of 43. Chris, I'll let you rip and run on this one. I'm a little bit worried because my fantasy lineup's struggling right now uh, with running backs, and I have Damian Harris, and he's listed right now as questionable. Not sure how you see this uh, this Patriots rushing attack looking this week. I'm guessing you're probably not too high on Harris, but how you feeling about that game? Well, no, Harris isn't playing. He's going to be out for at least one or two more weeks. I don't know why they have him listed as questionable. Uh, he's actually technically supposed to be listed as doubtful, but he's already been reported. He's going to miss at least a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. So uh, dealt with a hamstring last year as well. That, that's why Ramondre Stevenson is projecting to be one of the two highest owned running backs on the slate. You know, he could see upwards of 20, maybe even 30 touches in this game. Uh, these are the two, you know, most run heavy offenses in the league with the Browns and the Patriots. So unfortunately, like, I don't really think there's an edge in the prop market. I'm still looking at some der- derivative props for like longest rush for Nick Chubb. We hit that last week. I'm definitely looking at that again. Uh, I absolutely love Nick Chubb as a tournament play because he's very expensive. People are going to have a hard time fitting him into, into their lineups. Uh, but his ceiling is second to none. I actually have Nick Chubb as the number one ranked running back on the slate for week six. Uh, again, like these are not only do these teams run a lot, but they also have two of the top three run blocking matchups on the slate. So really bad run defense for the Patriots, really bad run defense for the Browns. And both teams have two of the top 10 to 12 run blocking schemes in the entire league. So I think Stevenson and Chubb are both set up for huge games on the ground. You know, I, I actually uh, had, I, I was trying to look at this prop earlier in the week, but he hadn't been confirmed to play had a huge game coming back from injury last week, and that's Jacoby Myers. And you, you look at the target share amongst all receivers in the league. He's been top five in target share percentage uh, over the last season and a half. And no one really wants to talk about it because it's kind of like an ugly, unsexy passing offense when it comes to the New England Patriots. Uh, we're not. I don't even see a reception prop for Jacoby Myers, even though they have his yardage up at 58 and a half. So that's definitely somewhere I'm going to be looking for this game. Uh, it's really hard to do anything for me outside of DFS because uh, I think there are real like ceiling cases for both of these offenses if they push each other to put up points because they have good matchups. But the nature of how these teams want to play is run first, defense first. And if that happens and they stick to that game plan, uh, you can really only look to unders and props. So it's kind of a different mindset I'm taking with betting props versus playing DFS. I'm willing to take shots on guys where I wouldn't bet their overs necessarily in the prop market. So haven't bet anything yet for this game, but those are some of the areas I'm definitely looking into and definitely look interested in playing Jacoby on his receptions prop, given how high of a target share he has. Guys with that target share, they're being aligned at least one, two, three receptions more per game in the market. And I think that definitely could be worth taking advantage of. All right, well, I'm looking at Jacoby too, except I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett. Here's my concern there, Chris, with Chubb, is that you know that one thing that Belichick does is he wants to take away your best player. I don't think he's worried about Jacoby Brissett throwing the ball against them with, you know, kind of that anemic passing attack. 
the guy he wants to stop is Nick Chubb. So I could foresee, you know, the Patriots sitting in there stacking the box, daring Brissett to go ahead and beat them. And I think that he will beat them on at least one throw. So I would actually consider, you know, making a small pizza bet on Jacoby Brissett's longest completion uh, over the total of 33 and a half. That's the way I feel. I just feel like the Pats are going to do everything they can to make Brissett throw in this game and don't let Chubb beat them. I mean, we know what Chubb can do. We know what Hunt can do. And if he could just key in on that, he could say, you know what, Brissett, you beat me, and, and I'll, I'll live with that if you do. But I think Brissett probably gets one over the top because I think the Patriots stack the box, and I think that there's a chance you know, that he could have a rather long completion. So I'll go ahead. I'll look at that, and I'll probably make a small pizza wager on that. Uh, more of an action bet. Let's jump over to Minnesota and Miami. Current line in this game, Minnesota Vikings minus three over and under 45 and a half. Chris, how are you feeling about the quarterback situation right now for Miami? Well, Skylar Thompson is has been uh, reported, declared to be the starter, although Teddy Bridgewater is going to be active a, as a backup. Uh, so I guess, I'm guessing if Skylar Thompson could play bad enough to where Teddy Bridgewater could get in there. Uh, Sleepy, honestly, I'm very surprised at the line in this game. I, I thought if I was guessing, and look, man, my specialty is props and, and fantasy and DFS. It's not in betting sides, but I was very surprised to see the Vikings only as three-point favorites here, given the quarterback situation. Also, given the fact that the Dolphins' secondaries, it, it, secondary is all type is all sorts of banged up right now. Uh, Xavier Howard's dealing with multiple injuries. Byron Jones has been banged up this year. They've been really bad as a secondary. Actually, looking at our cheat sheet overall, we have our uh, coverage rank consensus grades, which takes the average of a team's PFF coverage grade and their football outsiders pass defense ranking. And Miami's 31 out of 32 teams are actually tied for dead last with the Seahawks secondary. So, man, if, if all I can say is if the books are right and this is going to be a close game, then Justin Jefferson is going to go absolutely off. And I would definitely be willing to bet some long shot overs for him, 100 plus yards, maybe even 150 plus yards. If the payout's worth it, throw a little pizza bet on the side. But I'm definitely going to be looking at Justin Jefferson overs. He's actually, because of all these other running back values due to injuries on the slate for DFS, he's actually projecting to be like a sub 10% owned guy because he's very expensive too. He's hard to fit in lineups. But I'm absolutely going to be all over Justin Jefferson. He's my favorite play uh, for D- for DFS for week six this weekend. All right, I'm going to go with a screwball pick here, Chris. And I think that, you know, a guy like Skylar Thompson and, and a, a, a third string QB, you know, they just hold on to the ball too much. They're they're very indecisive. And I could see him probably getting sacked in this game. So I'm going to take one of my former Green Bay Packers to go ahead and record one full sack. And that's in Darius Smith. And you get him over 0.75. So he has to record one full sack, but you can get plus 135 in that. I could see Thompson getting sacked in this game. Uh, last game, he was sacked two times for negative eight yards. And I think that they'll probably struggle maybe to run the ball in this game, potentially. I'm with you, man. Like, the line is just – this is probably one of the fishiest lines I've seen all year, and that worries me. Like, generally, if you – like, this is probably like a, a sheep's play, is that everybody's going to be on Minnesota – and it just stinks to high heaven. So the fact that this line dropped and I thought maybe it would probably go higher. Yeah, I don't know, man. It stinks. So all I'll say is just be careful messing with Minnesota this week. It seems like it seems like a real sketchy, sketchy wager. Maybe somebody knows something that that we don't. Let's go over to your Cincinnati Bengals here, Chris. They better win this week. I got them in a couple wagers already. They're going to be minus three. They're going to be on the road. 
uh, at New Orleans. You can't find some minus two and a halfs out there also on Cincinnati. We have a total of 43. How are you feeling about your Bengals this week, Chris? You feeling pretty good? Do you think they're going to pull out a win there or what? Uh, I'm not too confident in the Bengals right now. They've got some severe issues. Uh, to me, it's head coach on down. Zach Taylor calling the plays has absolutely been an atrocity over the last couple of years. I think they – I've said this many times in the podcast. I'll keep saying it until he gets fired. Is that I think that they made the Super Bowl last year despite him and him holding them back, holding them back. And now you're seeing things in terms of offensive efficiency start to regress to the mean a little bit. And things are looking like they're starting to fall apart offensively. They can't protect Joe Burrow. They're not putting Joe Burrow in shotgun uh, shotgun enough. They're being way too predictable on offense. They're running the ball on first downs almost every single drive. And they have like one of the worst uh, run game efficiencies in the league. They're not switching things up. They're not being creative. Uh, They're not using Jamar Chase over the middle of the field. They're either trying to throw it deep where two safeties are over the top or they're trying to get him like screen passes for quick yards. They're not you they're not using him anywhere in between, which really doesn't make sense to me. I know I'm not an offensive play caller in the NFL, but it's just some basic stuff to me that's common sense. I don't know what what Zach Taylor's doing out there, and I think it's really holding the offensive back because of how weak their offensive line is as well. So, uh can't really speak too much else on that. Um I it makes it hard. I I I think Jamar Chase is a fantastic DFS play because the ceiling is there. And if the Saints are going to play the type of man coverage they're used to playing against teams, you know, Marshawn Lattimore has not been a defensive back you want to shy away from this year. He's been burnt by quite a few opposing wide receivers. We saw DK Metcalf have a good game against them. We've seen other wide receiver wide receivers put up big games against them already. So uh, I'm not willing to bet on Zach Taylor calling the right plays to get Jamar Chase over his yardage, but I'm definitely willing to go there in DFS. So that's kind of my thoughts overall in this game. Uh, still waiting to see what the status of Chris Olave is. At this point, it sounds like he was trending towards playing, but that's not really like an injury thing. That's more of a clearance from a doctor for for the concussion thing. So we'll wait to see on that. If there's no Olave and no and no Landry and no Michael Thomas, I think the Saints are going to be in a tough spot here. Uh, and and I'll, I'd expect to see a ton of Taysom Hill and a ton of Alvin Kamara. Uh, so I haven't really dug too much into individual props yet for this game, but uh, it's kind of an ugly stay away game for me just based off what I've seen from the Bengals and the uncertainty around all the injuries for the New Orleans Saints right now. All right. I think that Andy Dalton, your, you know, former quarterback, do you still have posters of him and like the Andy Dalton pillowcases and sleeping bags that you were telling me about? I never owned a single Andy Dalton jersey, and I'm damn proud of that, Sleepy. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him under his attempts for this game at 29 and a half. I think they're taking the ball out of his hands as much as they possibly can. And we saw that with, you know, Taysom Hill last week, and I agree with you. It, it might be a heavy dose of Kamara, heavy dose of, uh, you know, Taysom Hill. I mean, their, their wide receiver core is banged up right now, and it's like, well, what are you going to do with Andy? Well, the only thing you could really do with him is just manage the game, maybe throw some short passes. There's a good chance he probably throws an interception, but the Saints playbook going into this week, you know, with, with less passing, and, and, and Dalton hasn't thrown over uh, 29 passes in the, the two games that he's played. He's thrown 28 and 24 passes, so... I'll go ahead. I'll play him under his passing attempts. I feel pretty good about that. I just don't see where you know they let Andy go out there, especially at home, and try to open up this offense. It's going to be kind of a play it close to the vest type of game, I think, actually for both teams. Let's jump over to uh, the Jaguars and the Colts. Colts right now minus one and a half here at home, and we have a total of 41. This line kind of stinks, and I'll be honest. I, I wanted to play the Colts, and I thought about it, Line was at, I think, two and a half, and I thought maybe it would tick up to like three. And it's just been constant money on the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
And look, the Indianapolis Colts offense, it's not very good right now. It's like one of the worst in the in the league. I think it's the lowest scoring offense in the league. Uh, outside of Pittman and Jonathan Taylor, um, there's just not a whole lot. I mean, Matt Ryan hasn't stepped up. He hasn't looked all that good. So it's hard for me to touch anybody really on Indy right now. And with Jacksonville, I'm probably just going to shy away because I think the, the Colts probably at home come in here with probably their best defensive effort. I lean pretty strong to the under in this game. Uh, I could see both teams struggling to go ahead and get out of the teens. I'm going to avoid any player props in this one. I will go ahead and pass uh, player props for this game. But, Chris, how are you feeling about the Jags and the Colts? One prop I actually really like, which I when I was looking a few uh, over the last couple of days, I just didn't see it available. And I'm noticing there is markets that opened up some stuff with uh, receiving yards. I really like Alec Pierce, the rookie, over his receiving yards in this game. Uh, we've seen Pierce now in three straight healthy games has increased his yardage and opportunities in every single game so far. He's had a minimum of 60 receiving yards now in three consecutive contests for the Colts, even with Michael Pittman in the lineup for fully healthy games. Uh, you know, Pierce has been a talented guy, uh, you know, coming into the uh, coming into this year's draft. So 61 yards, 80 yards, 81 yards, his receptions, targets and receiving yards have all gone up now in three straight weeks. So, very excited about the potential for him, and I think this is a very good matchup here. Jacksonville is a lot tougher to run on than they are to pass on, so uh, I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing uh, you know, out of uh, the Colts possibly having struggles with the run, both uh, Hines coming out of concussion protocol, Taylor coming off an injury with his ankle. So uh, they, they showed they had, a, they had a very tough time running the ball last time they played Jacksonville. I know that they can improve potentially in that case, but I think 45 and a half, 42 and a half I'm seeing in certain places is way too low for a talented rookie wide receiver. Uh, you know, they've only been running Pittman on these shallow type of routes. So uh, they're using Pierce as their big play guy, and he's not getting the attention that Pittman gets uh, from opposing secondaries, at least not to this point yet. So I think that number is low for me, a number that I want to attack. Uh, again, like that's kind of been the theme over these last couple of weeks is like, noticing rookies who are getting that opportunity in a big way and the market seems like slower to adjust on those players that's why we hit our three rookie props from a few weeks back and a lot of the props we've hit best bets on this podcast have been on on betting rookies over as well so that's one place i'm going already i also think you know know, we're in a bit of a squeaky wheel type of game uh for christian kirk he had a complete goose egg last season i mean last week the coaches came out and said that they want to get him the ball early and often. He should be getting between 9, 11, 12 targets a game. Unfortunately, the market, you know, they caught up with that a little bit. They, they know what's going on. They know that last week was probably more of an aberration than anything for a Christian Kirk. You can get over four and a half catches. Minus 150 is the best line I'm seeing right now. Uh, plus money for over five and a half catches. So I don't know if I'm going there yet. Maybe I'll just eat the big and, and I'll play the minus 150 for over four and a half catches. But for me, clear value on Pierce, and then maybe I'll look at a few ancillary guys for the Jags. I think there's some good value on Evan Ingram and on Christian Kirk. Marvin Jones was ruled out, and Zay Jones is coming in questionable. So it's going to be Kirk, it's going to be Ingram, uh, and then Zay Jones could be matched up a lot with Stephon Gilmore on the outside. So those are the only two places I'll look uh, on the Jaguars side of things. Because again, Colts run defense is very good. Uh, Actually, the worst run blocking matchup on the entire slate is Jacksonville going up against the Colts. Uh, the Colts have uh, – it's a, it's a minus 19.7 disadvantage for the Jaguars run blocking and going on the road, like you said. Uh, definitely could be looking at some value on rushing unders for both Etienne and Robinson in this game as well. 
All right, good stuff on that game. Let's move over to the next. We have the Panthers and the Rams. Rams going to be nine and a half. And there are some tens out there as well. Point favorites here at home. We have a total of 41 and a half. Chris, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play P.J. Walker over his passing yards of 211 and a half. I think this is just a completely negative game script here uh, for the Panthers. They're, they're going to be a one-dimensional team eventually in this game. And P.J. Walker is going to have to throw the football. And do they want to stick Christian McCaffrey out there and try to run against this Rams defensive front and get this guy hurt? The Panthers are losing control of this season. Baker Mayfield is uh, absolutely garbage. He, he's not going to see the field, I don't think, at least for a, a period of time. But, look, P.J. Walker knows his team. He's He knows a bunch of these players on the team. He's thrown the ball to many of these guys. And he's actually been quite effective when he stepped in. I mean, I went back and I looked, you know, between him and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker's won, like, four games, and it's taken Baker and Sam Darnold, like, I don't know, like almost like 30 games to to win like five games. So P.J. Walker's not bad. That's the the moral of the story. And I think in this particular game, that Rams secondary uh, will probably give up some passing yards. A lot of garbage time I could see here. P.J. Walker's going to end up throwing the football in this game. So I'll go ahead. I'll play him over 211 and a half passing yards. That's where I'm at with that game. It's really the only player prop that I like. And it's probably one of the props I actually like. Uh, most this entire weekend. So I'll give that out, Chris. How are you feeling about the Panthers and the Rams? Uh, I have not bet anything on this game. I, I definitely want to look at Daryl Henderson, what the market's going to be on him, assuming he's going to take a full workload over in this offense. I definitely think that 54 and a half is a pretty solid number. Now, this is the, this is the, the, the funny thing between DFS and props. Like, I don't want to touch – Henderson and, and DFS because he's going to be so chalky that where if I play Henderson, he has a decent game. It does nothing for me because 50% of the field's playing him too. So I'm gaining no separation from the field when I'm trying to place in the top five, 10% of these tournaments. However, in the prop market, if he's going to truly take over the backfield and look, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee for any of this shit, but Henderson, you know, the, the next guy up is Malcolm Brown. And look, could Malcolm Brown all of a sudden get 16 carries and Henderson get 12? I mean, knowing Sean, Sean McVay and some of the things he's pulled in the past, it could definitely happen. I think what's more likely is Henderson just gets a full workload, at least for this one game. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brown was on the practice squad just a few weeks back. I know he's been in L.A. before, but I think there's definitely value on Benton Henderson over the rushing yards, maybe even over the rushing attempts, given that this spreads over 10.5 points, like you said. And – the one thing uh, I'm, I'm getting tweets, uh, notifications on my phone sleep as they come in. As you were talking about PJ Walker, I got uh, I saw the tweet that just came in literally seconds ago for me and Rappaport. The Panthers are receiving significant interest in running back Christian McCaffrey, and they are expected to listen to trade offers. However, it won't be a fire sale. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I was already looking at McCaffrey's under rushing prop for this game. Uh, one of the biggest mismatches, again, disadvantages is Carolina's run blocking going up against the Rams' run defense. The Rams are number three across the board in ESPN's run-stop win rate, in PFF's run defense, in Football Outsiders' uh, you know run defense as well. So actually, they're number one in PFF run defense, excuse me. So anyways, my whole point with that is like I already liked it as a standalone play, especially with the spread given what it is. Like how much are they going to be able to really run the ball as we get later in this game? And then – you know, if they're really going to trade McCaffrey and they get a really nice offer from another team, uh, you know, why would they give him those extra touches that they otherwise would give him in a normal situation? So 
that definitely pushes me way stronger to making a bigger bet than I was going to originally on that uh, on that under rushing yards prop for Christian McCaffrey here. I could only imagine what that team ends up doing if they get rid of him off that team. I mean, it's a I think it's a completely a complete blow up of that team. We'll see. You know, dude's dynamic. They're going to get a they're going to get a pretty healthy haul if they can actually get him out of there. I heard some reports earlier in the week that Buffalo was interested in McCaffrey. Uh, which would make perfect sense. These win now teams uh, that that he could definitely help in that in that case. So, and again, like running, he, Christian McCaffrey's about to turn twenty seven soon. So, you know, you do want to kind of get rid of those guys when you can get the value for them before they continue to get hurt, they continue to get older and more inefficient. So, I think the Panthers have some decent talent on defense that they could build around for the future. Uh, they still have DJ Moore, obviously very very talented receiver in his own right, but. Man, if they can get rid of a running back and get some decent draft picks in return, I, I think that could help them rebuild even more. So I just, again, like I don't see if they're really, really going to consider offers from McCaffrey. You know, they've got to be talking to teams that are like, "Hey, don't go out there Sunday and give McCaffrey thirty touches. Like, take it easy on our guy. If we really, really want to trade you a first or second round pick for him, that that's just a complete, you know, that's a complete theory for me." But that's something that definitely pushes me more towards that under than just a normal situation would. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Current line in this game right now, Seattle, they're going to catch two and a half points here at home. So Arizona minus two and a half, total 50 and a half. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play a double dip here on Kenneth Walker. I'll play his rushing yards over 59 and a half. And I'll also go ahead and play him at plus 115 to go ahead and score a touchdown. I know the Arizona Cardinals rush defense looks good. But when you're able to just go ahead and throw the ball on this team consistently, why the hell run? But it is Geno Smith, and I think that the fact that the Seattle backfield is just all banged up right now and Walker is the number one. And I think that they've been high on Walker you know, going into the season. I've, I've, you know, Unfortunately, it started out with an injury for him. But I could see them giving him a lot of work in this particular game, just moving the chains and letting Geno do his thing. And look, if the passing attack for Arizona starts to be taken advantage of, I think that even opens up probably bigger holes for Walker that he could potentially break, you know, one or two big runs. So I'll go ahead. I'll do that. I'll play him over 59 and a half rush yards. And I think he probably gets in the end zone one way or another, whether it's running or in the passing attack. So it's a double dip prop here for me, Chris. Ken Walker to go ahead and score a touchdown of plus 115 and over his rushing yards of 59 and a half. What do you got for Cardinals in Seattle? Uh, I like that one, too. That's actually a prop I already played early this week. Uh, Ken Walker over... I like them all the way up to like whatever book you're shopping at. If you, if you can't get 59 and a half, I'd bet that all the way up to at least like 63, 64, close to 65. The big play potential is there. The only other running backs on the team are Tony Jones being signed off the practice squad. He's really never really done much in his limited opportunities in his career. And then DJ Dallas who's always profiled more as a third down pass catching back. So I think Walker brings the juice, the explosiveness. We're not really too worried about this matchup on the ground for Seattle. I expect, a lot of points, a lot of high-tempo pace, a lot of plays, a lot of snaps in this game, which are going to point you towards overs, especially in these unique situations where a guy is going to be taking a much larger workload than we've seen in the past. Uh, I will also say that I don't know if I'm sold on Eno Benjamin being like a true bell cow running back in this game. And the DFS community is already assuming that's the case. And look, it's for good reason because – He's the only true guy left on the depth chart. Now they they they're gonna act they're gonna actually possibly factor in Keontae Ingram, a late round rookie from this past draft who does have some talent himself. I think he profiles more of an early down grinder than Benjamin does. Benjamin's very tiny back, uh, so I, I would actually have to look under for Benjamin in terms of his rushing yards prop. 
I, I don't think that Benjamin's ever had more than like 30 rushing yards in a game in his career. And I, I know that he's never really been put into that role, but you look at this season, he's never had more than eight carries in a single game, never had more than 36 rushing yards in a single game last year. He never had more than nine carries or 39 rushing yards in a game. And now his rushing yards props at 61 and a half. Now they still can use Rondale Moore uh, in uh, kind of like that H back, like kind of, you know, gadget type of player where he could be playing the slot. He could be lining up in the backfield. They could do a lot with Rondale Moore. I know some people in the industry that view him more as like a potential future running back than they do even a wide receiver prospect. He's five foot seven. 180 pounds, very athletic and good with the ball in his hands. When you look at Rondale Moore, the two games he's played so far this sleepy, he's had at least one rush attempt in each of those two games, and they've gone for negative yardage. Two carries for negative seven yards last week, and then back in week uh, the week before that, he had one rushing attempt for negative four. So I'd be very tempted to actually play Rondale Moore over three and a half rushing yards. I don't see anything on Keontae Ingram. I'd be very interested on him if I saw anything like less than 10 yards for example, because he's he's a relative unknown at this point. Uh, but I'm skeptical about Eno Benjamin getting the early down carries, and it, they've got to go somewhere. And I think they could go to Keontae Ingram, or they could go to Rondale Moore. Uh, so I do like potential value. I, nothing I bet yet. It's something I'm kind of digging into as the weekend goes along, but I definitely think there's some opportunity here uh, because of uh, James Conner and Darrell Williams both being out for this game. It makes my decision pretty easy there, Chris. So Damian Harris is not going to play, and I have Eno Benjamin sitting there on my bench. So I guess that's an easy plug and play. With that said, let's go ahead. Let's jump over to uh, our final game on the podcast. We have the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, just the marquee matchup of the weekend. Uh, Buffalo, they're going on the road into Arrowhead as a favorite. Buffalo going to be minus 2.5, and, and we have a total of 54 Chris, I'm sure you have some props in this one because the you know we have a high total in this one, so we're going to see a lot of yardage piled up in this one. How are you feeling about this game? Uh, yeah, so complete opposite of what you said. I actually only like one prop so far in this game, and it's an under. I like Devin Singletary under rushing yards for this game. It's a prop we hit last week. Uh, when you look at the Bills, they're bottom five in the league, and their consensus run blocking grade, they have not been able to run the ball well this season. Obviously, they're looking into Christian McCaffrey for a reason there too. Singletary's been good in the receiving game in a few games here this this year, but not good in the running game. Uh, and then you look at the Chiefs, they've actually been pretty decent against the run. Good, not great. Uh, they ranked fifth in Football Outsiders opponent run defense. And uh, this is one of the top six or seven run blocking disadvantages on the slate is Buffalo against KC. So uh, I, I do like Singletary. Not, not a huge play for me, but it's definitely something that I had my eye on to start the week and, and something that I bet uh, already uh, this year just for a half unit play. So that's kind of where I'm at for this game. Uh, this is the problem with this game, Sleepy, is that this is going to be like the kind of the sheep's play in terms of an over this week. And I'm not saying it's not going to hit or it's not a bad or, or I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a bad play, uh, but it, it essentially saps all the value that you can get in the prop market to where all these numbers are going to be juiced up because it's the Bills versus the Chiefs. And although a lot of the overs can hit, I'm absolutely sure that can happen. Uh, that's not how I bet. And I can only honestly look unders for most of the props in this game because of that. So haven't dug too much into it. But again, I do lean towards Singletary under and uh, we'll be looking at some other uh, possible unders on the board. Isaiah McKenzie's coming back in this game. Maybe there's some value on his receptions over because he's coming in off an injury and a concussion. Uh, Certain things like that. uh, But I still want to work my way through this game a little more. 
before to see if I have actually have the best bet for this matchup. The one play I'm looking at is actually Patrick Mahomes under his 40 and a half attempts. Go through and look at the game log. He's only gone over 40 attempts uh, once this entire season. Other than that, he's been under four games. So uh, I think there, there's a chance in that. And one, I think they want to probably keep Josh Allen on the sideline as long as possible. And the Kansas City rushing attack, you know, last week against the Raiders, uh, they only gobbled up 103 yards on the ground. And that was a scary game. I mean, that was a game in which, you know, Kansas City really got pushed. And I think, you know, they try to wake up this week a little bit and try to run the ball a little bit more. I don't think throwing the ball, you know, against that Buffalo Bills secondary uh, might be a recipe for success. And it could actually get Mahomes uh, in some type of trouble. So I could see Kansas City maybe playing a little bit slow here, looking a little bit more towards the run and trying to keep Mahomes out of any type of trouble in this game. I mean, this is going to be a big game. And Buffalo knows this guy, I think, rather well. They've scouted him quite a bit. So I could see the Chiefs maybe going ahead and running the ball a little bit more. So I'll go ahead. I'll play Mahomes under his 40 and a half passing attempts. So that'll wrap up all the games there, guys. Chris, I don't have a best bet for this podcast. If I do, I'll put it out on my Twitter account at SleepyJ underscore pregame. I'm sure you have a couple of best bets. Why don't you go ahead and give a couple out for everybody? Yeah, yeah. I actually forgot to mention uh, with the Seahawks-Cardinals game, you know, we were on both these guys last week. I'm double dipping again. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I both like them clear into the 70s for receiving yards. One of the most heavily concentrated concentrated, uh, target tree in terms of top two receivers in the entire NFL. So I'm going to go back three best bets for this week. My top three best bets. I mentioned the 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 one from the Steelers uh, Bucks game, which I put on this podcast already. I don't think the line has been adjusted high enough. George Pickens over 44 and a half receiving yards. That's one of my best bets. And then for my other best bet, I'm going to go towards DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I'm going to play them both over DK over 70 and a half. Tyler Lockett over 67 and a half. Those are my three best bets for the Money Picks podcast week six. All right. I would say my strongest, maybe it's PJ Walker over. I could just see them just going out there and letting it rip and run. You know, new coach, new QB. What the hell do you got to lose? And if they're looking to go ahead and and get rid of McCaffrey or trade him, how many touches could he potentially get? I mean, if do we want to play him under his, you know, rushing and receiving or, or something like that? I mean, the, you got to figure the. If they're going to move them, they're going to limit them. So um, I'll make that my best bet for the pot. I'll go ahead. I'll play P.J. Walker over 211 passing yards. But I'll wrap it up, guys. Good stuff from Chris. Once again, this week, you guys know where to find us on Twitter. at SleepyJ underscore pregame at MadJournalist. That is M-A-D-D Journalist. You guys could always get us at TheBettingPredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NFL week number six. Enjoy the games. <laughs>